Hey guys, welcome to The Filmographers. This is the podcast where we watch uh, everything an actor has ever done that is uh, readily available in a digital format, and then we talk about it. I'm Lenny. And I'm Katie. And you guys, this is Katie's last episode ever. It's very tragic, but uh, I have an exciting guest lined up for the next episode. You'll have to tune in to find out who it is, Uh, but... uh, get hyped we're going to be talking about Dwayne the Rock Johnson now let's get into uh Reese Witherspoon the uh followers of the show may know that I have nominated Reese Witherspoon every single time we have done this podcast uh and finally she won so thank god uh shall we get into it a do let's all right Reese Witherspoon's first film is the man in the moon which was just like a little slice of life about a country girl uh and it was pretty boring and also pretty problematic uh there's a part where her uh love interest gets like murdered by a tractor and honestly we both laughed a lot so that was pretty much how emotionally effective that film was I give it a not worth it. Yeah, uh, I think you said it all. The really the tractor death is like the standout moment, not in a good way, but the rest of it just kind of runs together as a lot of uninteresting uh, country life stuff. Uh, yeah, not worth it. Also, wasn't her love interest like uncomfortably older than her? Like she was like thirteen and he was like seventeen or something. It wasn't like a huge age difference, but it was just enough to be deeply troubling yeah and he kept being like I can't be with you because you're 13 or whatever but then it was just like why but then he was like clearly leading her on it was it was dumb it was realistic but I don't care to watch that that shit yeah uh okay next is a little movie called wildflower that is just strange a strange journey um it's another another little country story, but instead of being just an just a slice of life, it's a slice of a deaf girl who's been horribly abused by her family who has to live alone in a shed and like hasn't been taught to speak. Um, at, played by Patricia Arquette, very weird. Nothing against Patricia Arquette, but it's just weird to see her playing this like uh, very dirty <laughs> and like semi-feral character um this movie I I didn't like it on uh, like artistic or entertainment merits and then I also felt like the whole time I was watching it I was like I feel that this is problematic but I cannot say exactly how but there's something troubling about it I think maybe the the Patricia Arquette character the the deaf girl who they gradually teach to speak and read who I think has like a possum, a wild possum friend just felt like, just felt like an insensitive handling of a disabled and possibly learning disabled, uh, character. Uh, like, like she's kind of treated as like a, 
I don't know, like a pet <laughs> by the by the other characters. Um, and it's kind of gross to watch. Uh, Reese Witherspoon is still a little girl in this one, and she's a good actress for a little girl. I'll give her that. <laughs> I'll give this movie that. Um, but I'm gonna say it is not worth it. Yeah, I uh, I pretty much agree. It, I'm pretty sure it was a TV movie, and it really had a TV movie feel. I think like the only thing that slightly elevated it was uh, Reese Witherspoon and Patricia Arquette were both very good actresses, even as little girls. Uh, and yeah, it was just uh, like it's just one of those movies where like the plot isn't quite a cause and effect chain of events you're like I don't know why this stuff is happening in this order uh, just all around not great uh, next up is the show Return to Lonesome Dove which uh, I guess is a sequel show to something called Lonesome Dove that I was vaguely aware existed and I got the feeling watching Return to Lonesome Dove that you're supposed to be very familiar with whatever Lonesome Dove is. Uh, I was pretty lost. It really seemed like it was hanging its hat on being like, you're all favorites, guy in cowboy hat, other guy in cowboy hat. You're all very excited and know what their relationships are. Uh, so I got to give it a not worth it. Yeah, I'm only familiar with Lonesome Dove because it, I'm pretty sure it filmed in Montana. So I'm, I, yeah, which we're both from Montana. So anything, anything that filmed in Montana, anybody who's from Montana, oh, you better believe I've thought about it. Um, but uh, yeah, Lonesome Dove was like a, a Western series, obviously, as Return to Lonesome Dove also is. Um, and I think the, I think the main guy in Return to Lonesome Dove, who is an adult man, I think he was like a little boy in the original Lonesome Dove, and now it's like, the, the little boy is all grown up, and now he's the main character. Um, and I likewise was very lost and very uninterested, and um, I, I'm not not crazy about this genre in the first place, and then the fact that it, it was expecting me to know who these people are and care about what they do uh, really was the final nail in the coffin for this. This was just a real dull <laughs> viewing experience. Uh, and I got to say it was not worth it. Okay, next up is a movie called SFW that is some crazy 90s shit. Um, this, it's about um, these people are like kidnapped in a oh, held hostage in a like convenience store um and they're like filmed continuously by the by the people holding them hostage for like I think it's like nine months or something or like six months no maybe it was only like a month it was some it was a long time though I can't remember exactly how long it was but they're trapped in this convenience store filmed continuously and it's like aired on television and I think that like everybody was watching it um and it's it's uh Anyway, that's just kind of the setup. That's like the backstory of the events that are happening. Um, but it's this, it's got this like snarky 90s tone, this like kind of like reflexive irony tone uh, that, yeah, that just feels like very specific to the 90s. Um, uh, and the, honestly, the plot, uh, the backstory is so much clearer in my mind than the actual plot of this movie. It's just kind of like some 
bullshit about like celeb celebrity culture. Like I think the survivors of the of the hostage situation who are Reese Witherspoon and some young guy um, are like they become like sort of celebrities from having lived through this traumatic experience. Um, and it's just like a satirical comedy that is, I feel like both like commenting on um, the like reflexive irony of the nineties and also d doing that itself. Anyway, it felt super dated and it was not funny and it was super weird. It was kind of interesting as like a, just like, a time capsule of like something that maybe seemed cool in the nineties. I don't know if it was laughable at the time or if people would have seen this and like thought it was interesting and cool. Um, but yeah, it was sort of interesting from like an archeological perspective, but as a viewing, as a viewing experience, uh, not into it. It's weird, weird and dumb. Uh, yeah, not worth it. Yeah. I'm pretty into 90s film aesthetics and also very horny for Steven Dorf. Uh, but even I was like, this movie is a bridge too far. There's truly nothing interesting about it. Uh, and the, the Steven Dorf character is so confusing. Like, it seems like he's supposed to embody, like, being like, a slacker and like anti-establishment and the kind of person that it's like, oh, authority doesn't like me. But everyone is constantly like, you're such a golden boy. Everyone loves you. And it's like, why? No one loves this type of guy. And you want us to be like, he's such a rebel. So which is it? It's really weird. Uh, and there's a truly weird crazy moment at the end that I'm kind of surprised is not like around more as like a reference where um, Steven Dorff goes to like talk to a school or something and Amber Benson is in the audience and she's it like goes into like slow-mo and she's like everything matters and then she shoots Steven Dorff and I think that's just the end or is there more after that it's certainly the last interesting thing that happens that's almost the end and then it's like He's he's no longer cool. His message was so fucking what? That's what SFW stands for. And that becomes like his slogan. Um, and so then she she comes out with everything matters and shoots him. And then she now she's like the new the new golden child of America. Like now everybody's like, oh, so fucking what is over? Everything matters is in. And she's like cool and she replaces him in the culture. And then at the very end, it's like he and Reese Witherspoon decide to get married. They're like in the hospital because they both got shot and they, they're they sitting in their hospital beds and they decide to get married. <sighs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the everything matters moment is pretty, pretty great and pretty hilarious, but not worth the investment of time it takes to get to it. Yeah, it's uh, it's truly embarrassing. Like, honestly, a lot of like the best stuff from this genre, like uh, Clerks or Reality Bites, really like doesn't hold up if you didn't watch it as a child in the 90s. So it's like, I don't want to watch the bad version of that. Uh, not worth it. Oh, next up is a movie called Freeway, which I don't think I even would have picked up on this, but according to the plot synopsis is loosely adapted from uh, Little Red Riding Hood. And uh, Reese Witherspoon is this like 
exaggerated caricature of a like sad white trash girl like she's learning like basic spelling in the beginning like she's learning how to spell like car and stuff like that it's like really over the top uh and um then her her uh stepdad is abusing her so her uh he gets arrested and she decides she's gonna go live with her grandma but along the way she meets uh Kiefer Sutherland who is a serial killer on the loose and uh I sort of thought the parts that were like just Reese Witherspoon and Kiefer Sutherland in the car were like pretty tense and like almost good in like an extremely trashy way and then as soon as I was like okay at least this movie has like a lot of tension that's interesting just like immediately that deflates and it goes in a completely different direction for a really long time uh it's it's bad it's a mess and it's like they really go out of their way to make Reese Witherspoon like the worst person imaginable. Like she's super racist. She's super homophobic, but it's like, we're like watching her story. And I, I don't know what we're rooting for. It's just like a deeply, deeply unpleasant experience all around and not worth it. Yeah. It's so weird. And you're so right about how, um, you wouldn't know that it was supposed to be Little Red White Riding Hood if it didn't say it in the in the description. Like there's there's a weird thing towards the end with like a grandmother where like I if I had not known that it was supposed to be uh, Little Red Riding Hood, like this this like beat that's almost at the absolute end of the movie, I'd be like, oh, this is kind of referencing Little Red Riding Hood. And at no other point in the movie would I have thought there was any connection. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, tiresome. <laughs> it's a tiresome movie. Uh, this, I have this complaint with this movie and also SFW. They're both like, they both have that brand of nineties irony where it's like, they want to show like really traumatic or like, uh, upsetting stuff and just like kind of not not really acknowledge the emotional reality of like what those things are like and just kind of have like characters just like shrug everything off and just be like, Oh, I'm just still going through life being snarky. Like, Oh, I almost got murdered. My friend died and I got raped, but I'm just, I'm a snarky nineties girl. So like, whatever. Um, that's just like unsettling to watch. Um, yeah, it's, I agree. the 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 scene where Kiefer Sutherland and Reese Witherspoon are alone in his car, and she's kind of like gradually realizing she's in danger, is pretty tense and uh, fairly enjoyable. But it's like may at most ten minutes, and the rest of the movie is just a garbage heap uh, that's frustrating and not funny and pretty gross. So <laughs> definitely not worth it. Uh, okay, speaking of gross, <laughs> uh, next up is a little movie called Fear. Um, this is part of the the um, lover-turned-stalker genre of film, uh, along with things like uh, The Boy Next Door and Fatal Attraction. Um, 
Uh, it's uh, Reese Witherspoon is the girl. <laughs> Reese Witherspoon plays the girl character. Um, and Mark Wahlberg is her uh, like bad boy love interest who uh, becomes a cold, murderous uh, monster uh, on a dime. Uh, and, you know, this, this movie has... If you've, if you've seen one of these movies, you kind of have seen them all to an extent. Uh, you know the beats, basically, to expect from the murderous ex-lover genre. Um, but this, I think, is a particularly upsetting version of this, m- largely because of uh, something that's kind of... It's not treated with the emotional weight it should have in the film, but um, Reese Witherspoon's best friend gets raped by Mark Wahlberg in this movie in a very it in a very unambiguous way like sometimes you'll see stuff and you'll be like this movie from the 90s doesn't understand that that was rape but I now understand that it is but uh this is not that situation it's very clear what's happening and then the movie is like wants you to be mad at her like wants you to be mad at the girl who uh I think it's Alyssa Milano is it Alyssa Milano yeah wants you to be like mad at Alyssa Milano for this happening because like she was being a slut around this guy so of course she got raped or something it's very upsetting and it's uh this movie's clearly got like a gross and confusing worldview um so this is definitely not worth it uh yeah <laughs> let me yeah I agree I, I feel like the Alyssa Milano thing is not I feel like they were like what they were going for was like Mark Wahlberg tricked Reese Witherspoon and out of context it looks like Alyssa Milano seduced him but like that's not what happened like he literally like picks her up and like throws her over his shoulder it's like very clear but it really seems like they wanted it to be like oh Reese Witherspoon can't tell that he's forcing her but just like we're not clever enough to write that it's super weird um and uh yeah just like I feel like the first maybe two thirds of this are like sort of like kind of are like kind of fun and cheesy and over the top. Like when he does like weird stuff, like get her, her name tattooed on him and stuff. Uh, There's like some silly moments like that. And then like the last third, it goes into this, like, like they lock down their house and Mark Wahlberg and his friends are like surrounding the house. And it suddenly becomes like, a movie like Panic Room, which it like wasn't before at all. So I like completely tuned the last third of the movie out because it's just like really boring and really, really different. Um, yeah, it's uh, it was really an incoherent pile of trash. And I feel like uh, I feel like most movies in this like he this guy turned out to be an unhealthy boyfriend genre. Like they're usually pretty much all aimed at women and like. Usually with those movies, like if they're bad, you're like, you know, there's actually some misogyny here if you unpack it, but they're like aimed at women. But like this sort of felt like it was like aimed at dudes who are like, I want to be like Mark Wahlberg and fuck Reese Witherspoon and Alyssa Milano. Like, I feel like it's a lot more upfront with how gross it is than like the like lifetime type, you know, this guy's bad movies that it like sort of is similar to. It's really weird. 
Next up is Twilight, which I won't talk about too much because uh, we talked about it in the Paul Newman episode. And also, it's hella boring. Uh, It's just about this old, retired detective who's going to solve one last case because it involves his friends. And uh, who cares? Uh, You see Reese Witherspoon's boobs in this. So that's all I got. Yeah, I think we commented on how uh disappointing it was when we talked about the paul newman movie but you see reese witherspoon's amazing boobs and then you find out that that character is underage and it's a real witch hunt (laughs) uh but yeah this movie is uh boring and reese witherspoon is barely in it so it's not worth it as a reese witherspoon viewing uh as a source of reese witherspoon entertainment uh yeah not worth it fuck this movie um oh next up is overnight delivery which is a rom-com, I guess, uh, from the 90s. Uh, And it stars a young Paul Rudd as a very, very unlikable, but is supposed to be likable uh, lead who loses his girlfriend through a series of misunderstandings that are avoidable and entirely his fault, even more than like most contrived rom-com series of misunderstandings. Like, uh, I, I don't remember the exact mechanics of how he, oh no, it's like, uh, it's like he thinks his girlfriend cheated on him. So he writes her this horrible, horrible letter, uh, about how much he fucking hates her. And then he finds out, like, oh, she wasn't cheating. Like, he, she just wasn't home when he called her. And the roommate was like, oh, she's out. And he was like, oh, she's fucking another guy. Um, yeah, it's really, like, it has the beats of, like, oh, no, there's this series of misunderstandings. But it's like, no, this guy is a terrible man who will jump to horrible conclusions at just the drop of a hat. Clearly, like, I mean, it seems safe to assume that he's an emotionally abusive boyfriend if this is his response to her just, like, not being home when he called her. Uh, so then there's like a cross country trip to get the letter back before his girlfriend can open it and break up with him. And for some reason, Reese Witherspoon, who he has a contentious, a playfully contentious and hate filled relationship with, ends up along for the ride as they go across the country to stop the letter. And they are just two unlikable people who don't like each other. And then at the third act mark, you're supposed to be like, oh, now I want them to get together. It's really tiresome. And I feel like you can hear me describing it and think you understand how tiresome it is and in what ways. But like whatever you're imagining, it's so much worse than that. It's just the worst possible iteration of a like terrible, a lot of terrible movie tropes. Hard pass. Very not worth it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, like I agree. Like from the from the like plot description, you're like, oh, that's gonna be like incredibly stupid. But you don't like unless you watch it, understand like just how like disgusting and mean spirited a movie it really is. I feel like there were so like there were a few times throughout the movie, like we were watching it together, and there were a few times where I was like, wow, that's really sexist and fucked up. But it was like. So much of it, I was like, if I said that every time, I'd be interrupting the whole movie. Because, like, every sentence is just, like, there's, like, four levels of misogyny to this. It's bad. And, um, like, one of the things that really bothers me is uh, his girlfriend, Christine Taylor, 
is like refusing to have sex with him until uh, I guess presumably until marriage and like uh, there's a consensus in the movie that like she must be cheating on him and I feel like even among misogynists like I, I feel like this isn't real a thing like I've ever encountered except in this movie because like she doesn't have any motive to like not sleep with her boyfriend and only sleep with other dudes it's not like he's like rich and she's trying to marry him or something like it's really weird uh and yeah it's just truly unfunny truly unpleasant I feel like Paul Rudd is like bad in it um Reese Witherspoon's like okay but I feel like there were a couple there were a couple moments where I was like yeah Reese Witherspoon did not dignify this with a decent line delivery nor should she uh truly truly a bad experience oh and like when he's writing the letter to his girlfriend about like how much he hates her like he'll say shit like he'll be like oh I know she's insecure about her weight so I'm gonna say that she's fat and it's like dude that's not like a misunderstanding like even if she cheated on him like you shouldn't be like I'm gonna taunt an insecure woman about her weight on purpose like I'm not gonna be like oh man I hope he stops that letter from getting to her like I want her to know that this dude's fucking awful truly bad man like talking about all those movies SFW through overnight delivery and secession that was a bad run that was a disgusting run of films uh but guys we're finally into pleasantville which is a movie i deeply love i watched it a lot in uh childhood uh it's a movie where uh reese witherspoon and toby mcguire are siblings and toby mcguire is really obsessed with this old tv show called pleasantville that's like a classic like uh father knows best uh i don't want to say happy days because that's actually from the 70s but you know leave it to beaver yeah uh that type of thing uh and uh there's this really great sequence in the beginning that like really clearly lays out like why he's so stressed out about our time and is so nostalgic for the past where he's learning about the AIDS crisis and then he's learning about climate change and then he like comes home and his parents are talking about getting divorced and so like really clearly lays out like why this nerd is so nostalgic for the past. And then um, this uh, magic TV repairman uh, puts Reese Witherspoon and Tobey Maguire actually in the show. And uh, once they're there, they start fucking shit up. Uh, they, uh, Reese Witherspoon introduces Paul Walker. There's this great scene where Reese Witherspoon is obviously freaking out because she's in a fucking alternate universe and doesn't know she'll ever get home. And then like Paul Walker just walks by and Reese Witherspoon is like immediately like, hmm, this isn't so bad. And I'm like, that's also how I feel about Paul Walker. Uh, but she uh, introduces him to sex. Uh, and then uh, he's, I don't know if he turns color or he just starts seeing color. I get like stuff in the world starts turning color first. Um, and, um, and then like she teaches her mom how to masturbate, which is a, re a really great scene. That sounded gross. She doesn't like, she, she doesn't physically teach her mom how to masturbate. <laughs> it's, it's not untoward. Um, and uh, they like in the, in the book, in the library, all the books are blank and they start like reading. So they start doing all these things that start, uh, turning the world and the people into color and like just generally messing up the world and it 
the premise is like very like Disney Channel original movie, but I think it's uh it's elevated a lot by how great the art direction is when like something will happen like someone sees a red rose or when like a tree lights on fire on fire. It's really, really well done. And it's got some really great performances, especially Joan Allen, I think, gives one of the best performances I've ever seen. And uh um Greg Daniels and uh, William H. Macy are really good in it. And also, I think the other thing that really elevates it is that the writing is super clear. Like, the message is like, we understand why you're stressed out in t- uh, about today's society because it feels like things are ch- changing so much. But if you try to deny it, then you'll just end up scapegoating women and sexuality and art and education. And it like lays all that stuff out really, really clearly in a way that I feel like a lot of similar movies sort of brush over and like don't um, don't really deliver on making the themes so clear. Uh, and yeah, I uh, I highly recommend Pleasantville. I give it a big worth it. Yeah, I also really like this movie. I had never seen it before. I viewed it for the first time for this podcast, and it was it was really good. Um, so it's not one that you need to have nostalgia for for it to be a worthwhile viewing experience uh, today. Um, and I I don't have enough context to say for sure that it was like groundbreaking in this way but I I feel like it was groundbreaking in um the the thing it does that now we've we see around pretty commonly uh but this thing of like taking uh taking something that has unrealistic tropes in it like a a leave it to beaver type show and like trying to apply a logic to it like like trying to not just be like oh you know it's just movie magic that's how that thing happens but trying to be like okay in universe how does this thing work like the one example I like is that um they're talking about um uh they're doing like a geography lesson but their geography lesson is like it's just main street because you only ever see one street on this tv show it's like the whole world is main street and a kid is like okay well what happens if you get to the end of main street and the teacher's like it just circles back and you're back to the beginning of main street um yeah yeah the way that it it uh it tries to come up with explanations to make these like weird tv tropes uh like make sense in their universe is uh is really fun and really well done really funny to watch um and yeah I also agree with everything that Lenny said about it that's a more serious ideological (laughs) stuff and yeah there's really great performances really fun movie and it it feels good to watch it it maybe especially feels good to watch it if you have just watched fear and (laughs) sfw um but yeah it's like a night it's like a nice warm feeling but not like cloying movie definitely worth it um next up is a little film by the name of cruel intentions which I have seen many times. Um, it is based on uh, dangerous liaisons, but it's about uh, wealthy upper Upper East Side teens uh, who are just uh, just a scheming and a fucking and doing cocaine. Um, and it star it stars uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Ryan Philippe as uh, the skeevy creeps, and then it's got Reese Witherspoon as a nice girl. 
and Selma, Selma Blair as an even nicer, dumb, dumb, dumb girl. <laughs> um, and this movie is like, maybe not good per se, certainly very laughable, but thoroughly enjoyable. I, it's highly rewatchable, very sexy, um, truly, truly hot. Uh, and I, I, what can I say? I highly recommend it. Uh, it, I, I don't know. I don't know that I can say that it's a good movie, but it's a fantastic movie. <laughs> yeah, I when I I've also watched this many many times. Uh, and like when I first watched it as a teen, I was very much like, "Wow, like this is a really good movie." And I feel like every time I watch it, a little bit chips away, and I'm like, "This is a little embarrassing," and yet. Like, there are so, there just aren't other movies that do what Cruel Intentions does. So it's like, you kind of have to say that it's a good movie because it's like, so, so many things try to be like, oh, sexy teens and they just fall flat on their faces. and so bad. And Cruel Intentions just like, it just delivers on exactly what it's supposed to be. I think like the only thing that, annoys me more and more every time is like the main storyline of Ryan Philippe and Reese Witherspoon falling in love is so tired. I'm just like, I don't care about their romance. And like everyone else, like Sarah Michelle Gellar and Selma Blair are so like, just like deeply weird and fun. And you just want to watch every other person except for like this bland main couple that's like, well, we just met, but we're so in love. Um, but like, even though, even though they're the main characters, that's still like not enough for me to not recommend it. It's still like super, super fun, despite that that romance being pretty bland. Yeah, I feel like this this viewing. I mean, I, I've never felt like Reese Witherspoon's character was like interesting or really fun. But I feel like this viewing was the first time I watched this, and I was like, she sucks. Like she's not a she's a bad character. Um, so that, but yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really have that much of an effect on the overall quality of the film, but like Reese Witherspoon's character is not really enjoyable. Um, but the, like, I think the absolute best aspect of this movie, which is not, does not have a lot of screen time at all, but Joshua Jackson is a very mean, condescending gay guy. And he is secretly fucking a very hot, secretly gay football player. Uh, and it's just phenomenal. What's the name of that actor? Eric Mabius, right? A young, very handsome Eric Mabius. Uh, yeah, that alone truly makes this movie worth watching, but it also has more to offer outside of that. Yeah, look, kids today can watch the Sebastian episodes of Glee and what have you anytime, but truly through my whole teen years, all I had was I want to say about three minutes of Joshua Jackson and Eric Mabius. And you know what? It got me through high school. <laughs> uh, speaking of things that are just incredible, our next movie is Election, um, which is the movie that the first time I watched it, I thought was very good. And just every time I watch it, I come in w away feeling like it's more and more excellent, which like that usually doesn't happen. Usually even movies I like, the more I watch them, the more I start to be like, oh, that's kind of a flaw. But uh, yeah, elec Election is really amazing. And it doesn't like, 
it doesn't really feel like something that would be like one of the greatest films of all time. Like it's not like weighty, um, but it's just like uh, really well written and really, really honest. Uh, it's about um, a high school uh, and there's several characters in it. The uh, This teacher, Matthew Broderick, um, who is like presented as the protagonist, but the more the movie goes on, uh, you're like, this dude straight up sucks. Uh, and then uh, Reese Witherspoon as Tracy Flick, which I think is uh, one of the best movie characters of all time, one of the best performances of all time. Uh, a big part of the reason I wanted to do Reese Witherspoon uh, was because of her performance as Tracy Flick. Uh, and then um, uh, Chris Klein uh, plays just this, sweet little fella named Paul Metzler uh and then his sister Tammy Metzler is the other main character um and what election does that is so cool is it has voiceover from these four different main characters and like pretty much every single thing they say in voiceover is either like a straight up lie or like uh, they're just like wrong because they're naive. Um, but like all of them are extremely unreliable narrators. And yet there's like never, it's like not hard to follow. Like it's really, really clear, uh, what happened. Um, and I think that's like really impressive writing. And the other thing I love about election that I noticed on this rewatch is I feel like so much stuff about teenagers is, you know, stuff like Mean Girls that's like, these teens are tearing each other apart and they're so cruel and they love tearing each other down and the adults are sort of like reasonable and doing their best to like rein in these teens. But um, in Election, even though all the teenage characters are like deeply flawed and make a lot of mistakes, I feel like you basically like all of them, but the adults are like terrible. Like I hate every single adult in this movie a lot and I feel like um you just like don't get that a lot even from stuff that's aimed at teens and I thought that was really refreshing to be like you know what high school is like a horrible bubble of like other people uh not understanding how naive you are and just like uh twisting your world and uh good for you for for surviving it um and uh it's it's very it's a very like edgy movie but in a way that I think is still ultimately like really sympathetic and like by the end I was like even though it's like kind of a pessimistic movie at the end I was like you know pretty much every character got what they deserved uh so it actually like kind of uh ultimately I think is like sort of makes you feel good surprisingly for like how bad things get in the middle yeah you know something that I think this movie does really well that a lot of other uh movies and tv shows fail at is having an unlikable like entitled male protagonist who like y you see things through his viewpoint but you're like at the end you're like never tempted to be like oh he's cool or like he's someone to emulate like something like 
Breaking Bad or like Mad Men can be like, oh, yeah, you know, you're not supposed to think Walter White is cool. You're not supposed to think that Don Draper is like a role model. But like people still will. But like Matthew Broderick uh, is clearly a piece of shit. And and, uh, the movie doesn't have to like hit you over the head with like other characters saying that he's a piece of shit for you to get that and for you to not want to be like him. It's just clear. Um, Yeah, this is really this is a really great movie and it's really funny and really sweet um and really sad and dark also um and I mean I hate to say that Reese Witherspoon like peaked early because she's had a great career she's turned in a lot of amazing performances but I do think that Tracy Flick is like her best performance uh and and for that reason I am giving this my gold star we have two awards that we give in this podcast, a gold star and a black ball. Gold star is the thing that you absolutely should watch. Black ball is the thing you absolutely should not watch. Uh, and this one's my gold star. I completely forgot to say this, but I'm also giving my gold star to election. Yeah. I, and it really, it wasn't close, which like surprised me because Reese Witherspoon's been in a lot of my favorite movies and they end, they ended up being like mostly consecutive, the movies of hers that I really love. So it was like one weekend and I was like, wow, election is like really good, even up against all these other good movies. Um, yeah, highly recommend it. And I think on the, the flip side of what you said about the Matthew Broderick character, is that uh, Tracy Flick and Tammy Metzler are both like, like they're definitely mean people. Like I'm not gonna say that those are not a couple of mean ladies who do bad things, but like I ultimately felt like I liked Tracy and Tammy and I wished them the best and you know was like stuff happened because they're children and they're under a lot of stress. Um, uh, but yeah, it was like, I think, uh, a portrayal of teen girls that is like unapologetically messy without like being like, yeah, teen girls are monsters, which, uh, does not happen that often. Uh, so next up is a movie called Best Laid Plans. Um, it's like a thriller, kind of crime thriller, uh, the, Honestly, like it was sort of hard to follow what exactly the the plot was, and it was such an ungratifying viewing experience that I don't want to try too hard to capture it. So let me just say, it's like it does a lot of like, oh, the tables have turned, twisty, uh, pulling the rug out from you. The, these people were working together the whole time, etc. Uh, to no to no great effect. It's uh, boring and gross and upsetting and the set design is crazy the set design is much more memorable than anything about the plot uh this josh brolin is a somewhat minor character in this but he's he's like a millionaire and his his set his house looks like the set of a like shitty tim burton movie it's all these like weird red and green lights and like stuff is like wiggly that shouldn't be and it's never addressed no one's ever like this guy's got a weird taste in decor it's that's just like what these people thought millionaire houses looked like I guess uh yeah I just like I can't even I, I can't even lower myself to trying to describe the plot of this stupid movie but there's stuff about like fake rape claims and there's like drug money it's terrible I really hated it and I'm giving it the black ball it has nothing to offer anyone yeah uh so 
the weekend we watched this, we had just rewatched Pleasantville, Cruel Intentions, and Election, and we're about to rewatch the next movie that we're going to talk about. And so I was when I went into this movie, I was like, uh, Reese Witherspoon is having the best run any actor has ever had, and if this next movie is even okay, even like two and a half stars out of five, I'll be like, this is a, the most perfect streak of movies anyone's ever had. And then it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It is also getting my black ball. It's so bad. Yeah, the like setup, like what you think the plot is, is uh, Reese Witherspoon tricked Josh Brolin into raping her for some reason. Um... So it, like, starts off being, like, uh, you know that thing of how uh, how often men face any consequences for rape and how common false accusations are? We all know that common thing. And then it just starts introducing twist after twist after twist. And the whole time I was, I just wanted to be like, okay, just tell me what happened so that I can get offended at it. Stop, stop being like, ooh, but that wasn't it. Uh, it's a truly exhausting movie. And yeah, at like some point, you just start tuning out whatever the fuck is happening with the plot and characters and focusing on that weird Tim Burton-esque set. Why does it take place in a Dr. Seuss book for no reason, Katie? Why? Also, Josh Brolin looks really bad in it. He, Even though it's like pretty old, I think it's like 2001, I want to say, he looks straight up like 10 years older than he does now. It's really weird. All right, we're going to take a quick break now. Uh, you've heard the best and the worst. Uh, and uh, return for some sweet, sweet middle after this ad. <laughs> Next up is a movie called American Psycho, which I kind of put in the same category as Cruel Intentions. I like to call them baby's first disturbing movie because it's like mm, some shit happens, but it's not going to keep you up at night. It's just American Psycho. And I like that because I'm a little bit of a sadist, but I'm also a little bit of a pussy. And uh, American Psycho really hits just a sweet spot of some torture, not too much. Uh I guess torture is not the right word, but what have you, disturbing stuff. Um, there's, I feel like, a lot of debate back and forth about whether American Psycho is an effective satire and whether it has any feminist critique. And I feel like the answer is probably not. It's a pretty shallow movie. But I enjoy watching this 80s dude go around being a bad guy. I already knew capitalism is bad, so I don't need any more... Uh, okay, I'm very excited to talk about American Psycho because I love Brad Easton Ellis and I hate the book American Psycho and I love the movie American Psycho. A lot, I got a lot of thoughts all around. Um, so I, I love this movie. I hate the book American Psycho. I think that uh, this movie is what a movie adaptation of a book should be. It brings the good the best most interesting elements of the book to life and it is totally its own thing it brings a lot of new stuff to the table that is not in the book um uh and it's got a totally different aesthetic from the book it's much more enjoyable <laughs> than the book which is terrible um uh the thing that i like the most about american psycho is that patrick bateman is the protagonist and he and uh narrator 
um, there's a fair amount of voiceover. Uh, and he tells us at the beginning that he is just an empty shell of a person and he's not really there. And it's true. He's a pretty vapid character with like very little going on. Um, and he, he's surrounded by these female characters who are, who like he totally disregards the humanity of, but like every single extremely minor female character is like so much more fully realized than he is like even like these single single scene characters who like quickly die or something horrible happens to them feel like real people uh with like real thoughts and uh uh and i love this movie for that and i also think that this is one of the only um pieces of culture I've seen that really captures what I feel is a very common experience, an experience that I've had anyway, of of having like a dawning realization that a man means to do you harm, but like not being able to get yourself out of the situation because you just don't want to be rude. Like that weird mental prison of female, uh, <laughs> female socialization. Uh, and uh, it's also just a very sexy movie, very sexy very pretty and there's a lot of fun fun murder and i love a fun murder um so i definitely say this movie is worth it big time in a big way and i also just want to once more reiterate that the book is not worth it (laughs) i'd just like to add that i would have sex with Freddie stanellis uh i don't want it to get lost in the conversation that i would also have sex with Freddie stanellis All right, with that important business out of the way, we're free to talk about Friends. Reese Witherspoon was on two episodes of Friends, the one with Rachel's sister and the one where Chandler can't cry, and she plays uh, Rachel's sister. Um, And she really is like um, just a a spoiled, wealthy, impractical, dumb girl. Um, She's like the same basic character kind of character as um as like Elle Woods who we'll talk about shortly except like rendered in a totally opposite like unsympathetic uh and like uninteresting and like unlayered way uh Friends sucks I have no nostalgia for Friends I never watched it so I'm totally uh totally aware very deeply that it's terrible um and these episodes were no exception. They were not fun, and they were not funny. And everyone on Friends seems to hate each other as much as I hate all of them. Not worth it. Yeah, I like whenever I go a while without watching Friends for a while, you like hear people talk about it so much, and it's like what they describe. I'm like, yeah, sure, that sounds like a good show. Like, I like everything that you're saying, and then when I actually watch it, it's just like stunningly bad. And it's so weird to me how many people can't see how shitty it is. It's so slow. It's like all that sitcom format of like set up, set up joke that I think even in the late nineties was like way, way out. Uh, And then like so few of the jokes land that it's just like, the there's like I would say like two two laughs per episode it's a truly unfunny show uh and yeah just uh just like painful and mechanical and it's just genuinely bizarre that it's highly regarded 
Uh, next up, two episodes of King of the Hill, Hanky Panky and High Anxiety. Uh, King of the Hill is a show that I love very much. It's a show that I like for how realistic and grounded it is and what a good depiction of everyday life it is. But these episodes, uh, Reese Witherspoon plays a mistress of Buck Strickland, who is Hank's boss, and she's found dead in a dumpster. And everyone's like, oh, who killed Debbie? And then Hank spends an episode worried that after smoking... Uh, smoking one drag of a marijuana cigarette, he blacked out and killed her. Um, I was so excited to rewatch this because I was like, my memory of what this episode is from childhood must be wrong. There's no way that these this happened on King of the Hill. And then we couldn't find King of the Hill anywhere to rewatch it. Uh, so we'll never know if these episodes were just a weird collective fever dream we all had in 1999 or what was going on. So, uh, I'm not going to give this a worth it or not worth it. I'm just going to note that what the fuck happened here. Yeah. It's so weird how King of the Hill is generally like so grounded and slice of life. Uh, and then uh, sometimes it just goes fucking off the rails. Like there's that one episode where that where that guy wants Luann to marry that other guy, and then he's gonna dress up like a pig, and then at the end he gets turned into sausages. Like very strange, <laughs> very strange. Um, yeah. So I bet uh, I bet it would have been fun if we'd been able to watch this episode and really dig into how weird it is. But you cannot pay to watch King of the Hill at this time. Unless, I guess, you own a fucking DVD player. Like, it's fucking 1999. Uh, yeah. So, we'll always wonder. Um, uh, next up is a little film called uh, Little Nicky, which uh, stars a man by the name of Adam Sandler. Um I feel like probably most people are familiar with what Little Nicky is and probably most people have seen it. So I'm just going to say I don't love most Adam Sandler comedies. You know, they do their thing. It's great for the people that it's great for, um, you know, Teenage Boys circa 2003. Um, The the grosser they get, the less I like them. And this one is pretty gross. Um, So I'm not crazy about it. But it's it's definitely got funny moments. And it's definitely got, like, a certain, like, gentle sweetness to it underneath all the icky stuff. So it's, like, a pretty... It's a a pretty enjoyable movie. But it's, you know, it's just not for me. Um, as a Reese Witherspoon vehicle, it's definitely not worth it because she's in, I believe, literally one scene, like, uh, for like a minute. Um, so on, on, uh, on grounds that there's not really a lot of Reese Witherspoon in it, I'm giving it a not worth it. Um, I deeply love Little Nicky. I think that everyone my age gets one free pass of an Adam Sandler movie that they're like, that's a masterpiece. It's just a weird thing that everyone our age has. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really sweet. And, um, you know, I grew up feeling like I was evil. And I liked seeing a movie that was like, you can be evil in a way where you're nice to everyone. <laughs> and uh, I think Patricia Arquette as the love interest is like, very uh 
interesting in a way that uh, uh, love interests in these kinds of dude movies usually are not. And they have like a lot of uh, good chemistry as just like a weird little couple. Um, and it has uh, a lot of jokes that like still make me laugh. I fondly recall uh, shit like when uh, he's trying to to use his evil powers to uh, to turn his roommate's coke into like piss or vomit or something disgusting. And then his roommate takes a sip and is like, hey, this coke tastes like Pepsi. It makes me laugh. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm giving little Nikki a big old worth it with that classic Sandler disclaimer of either it's going to hit you or it's not. And also I think they should make a prequel. That's just Reese Witherspoon and Harvey Keitel boning down. Uh, next up is the trumpet of the swan, uh, which is just an aggressively poorly made animated movie. Uh, it's uh, it. The plot truly makes no sense, even though it's like, based on a book so they shouldn't have been able to fuck it up that bad and just like the animation is so cheap and it's like it's really weird that like so many famous people are in it because I would feel like uh, this movie seems like it wouldn't be able to afford Jason Alexander's just like basic rate to like get out of bed in the morning it's really bizarre uh yeah there's uh there's truly nothing good about it it feels like it should have been made in like 1975 yeah, it seems pretty clear to me that this movie just, like, wanted parents to pick it up at the video store and, like, wanted people to look at the cover art and sort of vaguely assume it was a Disney movie. Um, and they, like, put their entire budget into the cast and, like, none of it into, like, animation or, uh, you know, paying professional writers who could write a professional quality script. It's, yeah, it's so, like, choppily animated and just, like, shitty um and it's dumb and weird and it's ugly <laughs> it's a really ugly movie uh like vi like visually like the animation is just not fun to look at um and also there's a little boy who just like is communicating with this swan there's a very confusing relationship between the animal kingdom and and the human world uh it's like it's like this uh, this one swan who can write stuff on a chalkboard to communicate with humans is like, oh, a little bit novel. Like, oh, we haven't seen that before. That's kind of interesting, which is not an acceptable level of like interesting for that to be. It has to be either like, yeah, animals have human intelligence and we all know this, or it has to be like, what is happening? This, this swan is writing in English on a chalkboard and playing jazz music on a trumpet. Uh, but it just walks a very strange middle line that is uh, hilarious briefly, but then the overall boring numbness of the movie gets you down and even that ceases to be amusing. Um, so not worth it. Uh, next up is a little film by the name of Illegally Blonde. And I think like a lot of uh, people my age, I have seen this movie mm, maybe 20 times. Uh this yeah I, I loved it when I first saw it I saw it in the theaters when I was I what year did it come out when I was 12 or whatever and I just thought it was so fun so funny and I've seen it many times over the years and always enjoyed it 
Um, and you know, it kind of gets like, uh, it kind of has a reputation of being like junky throwaway, like, you know, uh, like j- shitty chick under a uh, teenage chick flick, uh, because people don't like to respect things that teenage girls like. Um, and I've always been like, yeah, like, well, fuck the haters. This movie's great. And I have to say, this is the first time I've seen it in a few years. And this was my first viewing of this where I was like, I don't feel like this is a great movie. I feel like I'm enjoying it nostalgically, but I feel like it actually, I finally now no longer think that it's, I don't think it really holds up to a modern day scrutiny. Um, it's just, There's like just kind of some stuff about like, gay stuff or whatever that feels dated but also it's kind of just overall the the humor for the most part didn't really land with me it felt it felt more like more like a guilty pleasure and less like a a great underrated movie than I had remembered so that was honestly a kind of upsetting revelation for me (laughs) but um I I still think it's a fun movie it's enjoyable um uh, and Reese Witherspoon's performance is really great, really fun. So I will still give it a definite worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to say up top, I'm definitely giving this a worth it. Um, I think it's like just a really solidly plotted movie. It just like moves along so much better than most comedies. Most comedies are so meandering. And this one's really tightly written. Um, it's fun to watch. Uh Elle Woods is a great character, and yeah, obviously Reese Witherspoon's performance in it is truly amazing. Um, and I think what mostly got to me on this viewing, um, I just kind of felt sad because, like, I identified, I identified so so much with Elle Woods as a child, even though like I shouldn't have. <laughs> like, the only reason you identify with it is because it portrays like the ways that men will be shitty to you, but they chose as this person to portray this, this like beautiful, wealthy woman who's like really good at performing femininity and just like really great at like being put together. And it just like kind of made me really sad that I identified so much with her because I was like, women like Elle Woods have never ever been asked to care about people like me and they maybe never will be but like we still watch this and are like oh man people are being condescending to this beautiful woman but like if you don't know anything about makeup people will be like you're unprofessional and will like never give you any opportunities and there's no movie about that and it just it just kind of sucks like it made me really sad even though it's like a fun movie (laughs) next up is the Simpsons episode, The Bart Wants What It Wants. And I'm like, I think later Simpsons episodes, like season nine or af- and after, are the thing in this world that I'm like the most a dick about. Like, I try not to be, but I will feel like you are less of a person if you like later Simpsons episodes. And I know that that's a bad quality of mine. So I really, really tried to go into this open-minded. And there were like, a couple moments I kind of enjoyed, mostly like uh, when Smithers, or sorry, not Smithers, Principal Skinner is trying to do comedy and he's like, I think I heard California Surfer. I think that's the highlight. Um, but this episode is so painful. It's so 
um, typical of later Simpsons episodes because it's a uh, peripheral character has a random relative episode. Uh, Reese Witherspoon plays, um, what's his name? Rainier Wolfcaster. Rainier Wolfcaster's daughter. And it's also a Bart gets a love interest episode because they date. And then at the end, it's suddenly also a destination episode because there's a fucking random ass trip to Canada. It's just like all the tropes I hate if it had, if only Homer had gotten a random job, it would have gotten the quadrifecta, um, and it was just, uh, just not funny and like really, like weird and stilted. It like I feel like the the animation style was like in transition, um, and they like didn't they didn't have their current animation process figured out yet, and it just like looks and sounds deeply weird. Uh, not worth it. Yeah, the like the weird the the mid period Simpsons where like the animation is so much shittier than it had been ten years prior is like so baffling. Uh, like the lips never quite match up to the word. Very strange. Um, my level of expectation for like post season nine Simpsons is so in the gutter that when I was watching this, I was like, oh, like this is a this is a watchable episode of television. This isn't. This isn't an assault on my senses. And I was like, so I was kind of like, oh, this is a pleasant surprise. Um, because I just like carry around this hate for for latter, latter Simpsons in my heart. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, truly, that's really the best thing you can say about it is that it's like, it would be fine background noise while you did housework, I guess. Um, but there's not a good reason to watch this. But the, the <laughs> Smith uh, Skinner saying, I think, asking for a suggestion of a job and saying, I think I heard California Surfer and doing a very awkward surfer mime. I really remembered that as being from like the Prime Simpson years, uh, and I was shocked that it showed up in this episode. Um, and uh, but that 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 can't carry the episode. <laughs> uh, so yeah, definitely not worth it. Um, next up is the importance of being earnest. Uh, it, this is a real standard uh, importance of being earnest. Uh, the, there's the it's just the play, but a movie. Um, and it felt like a play, but a movie. It really I've seen importance of being earnest. I don't want to brag, but I've seen it on stage several times and enjoyed it every time. I think it's a very funny play, and it feels uh, funny in like a pretty timeless way, like a Frasier episode. Um, but something about this movie, it's it just like it doesn't feel right. It needed to be done differently somehow to make it feel like a movie, and I don't know what it needed, but. It, it didn't feel like I was watching a movie. It felt like I was watching a play that had been filmed very well and very up close. And that's a weird and jarring experience. And it lessened my enjoyment of this material that I know I enjoy, um, despite it having a great cast. Uh, yeah, I wish I could be more specific in my criticism of this, but I can't. Um, and I'm going to give it a not worth it because there's so many importance of being earnests out there. Why, why this one? The, the answer is no reason. No reason for it to be this one. Um, yeah, I usually like Oscar Wilde's humor and, like, I usually like farces, but I was like, this story is bad. Like, everyone's motivation is this would lead to a funny mix-up, and they're just, like, not people. They're just doing stuff that 
could possibly be misconstrued in some way. I found it extremely exhausting and not funny. So I'm definitely giving it a not worth it. Uh, next up is Sweet Home Alabama. And uh, I'm, I'm a fan of rom-coms and I feel like rom-coms get a bad reputation. But Sweet Home Alabama truly does everything that people complain about with rom-coms. Like, especially... Uh, opening with being like she's a busy woman with a job who only cares about her job and then she goes back to Alabama and meets her first love and at the end she's just in Alabama with him having his babies and we don't even like find out what happened with his career like there's not even with her career there's like not even a line where she's like I'm so much happier now that I've quit fashion. I guess I didn't really like it. Like, it's just like, you know, obviously what's important is that she's married to this guy and having his kids. Like, who cares about her job? Uh, really upsetting. And there's this, like, bizarre subplot where um, Ethan Embry is her childhood friend and he's gay and she, like, outs him in front of their entire friend group and... uh like much much later he's like oh it all turned out fine but like he lives in Alabama and works on a plantation like that could have gone really badly uh and her ruining his potentially ruining his life is just not addressed enough like really shortly after she outs him she like asks him for a huge favor and there's like no tension there they're just like oh we've all moved on from that uh it's really upsetting and there's also just like nothing funny in the movie there's some like really forced uh some really forced physical comedy with like this uh chair that I guess like is too aggressive of a fold-out chair and that's like the closest to an attempt at humor in the whole movie uh truly an unpleasant watch. Yeah, I co-sign all that, and I just want to add, you mentioned the plantation. These people own a plantation, and, like, you're just not supposed to think about it. <laughs> like, not supposed to think about uh, all the slaves who died on this plantation 150 years ago, but I couldn't stop thinking about it, and I was like, Hundo P, all of these characters canonly in the, in the now voted for Trump. <laughs> It also does the annoying thing all comedies with a gay guy do at the end where he like meets another gay guy and the clear implication is like they're going to fall in love because they're both gay. Uh, but like the gay guy he meets is a black dude and it's like he's not going to fall in love with this guy who works at a plantation. What? But if he did, I would watch that movie more readily than I would watch this movie. That's a good conflict. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, definitely not worth it. Um, next up is Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blonde. Um, any complaints I had about Legally Blonde? They're, they're here and they're 100 times worse than this one. Baby, this movie straight up sucks. It does not understand how the legal process works. And look, I don't understand. I don't understand how a bill becomes a law either. But this movie understands it even less than me. Uh, it's very stupid. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of gay dog humor, <laughs> which you know what? I make fun of my dog for being gay a lot. I should enjoy it, but they just botch it. Um, by the way, I'm a lesbian, so it's okay for me to make fun of my dog for being gay. So please do not write me. <laughs> angry letters anyway um 
this movie sucks. No one should ever watch it. Lenny, your thoughts. First off, don't worry. I'm going to fire Katie for saying that she makes fun of her dog for being gay. You will not be hearing any more from her after this episode. Um, yeah, this movie is like really, really embarrassingly bad. And I remember I heard that uh, Reese Witherspoon didn't want to do it. But then after like hearing from so many young girls who said how impo- how inspiring Elle Woods was, she was like, oh, I guess I should do a sequel. But it like straight up would be so much better if the sequel didn't exist and girls just rewatched the first one. Um, it's like she... Uh, she walks in on an animal testing lab and then is like, I'm going to go get a bill passed to make animal testing for cosmetics purposes illegal. And you're like, okay, one, did you not know about animal testing until that moment? And like, two, people have worked for their entire careers to try to do that. That like making it illegal is like a big deal but she just goes like she just has a friend who uh knows a senator and she just goes off to get this legislation passed and I think like that's what's so frustrating about this movie is that like every any like condescension or like dismissiveness she faces is like pretty warranted like I think the first one works because like she's literally at school and you're there to learn. So it's like making fun of someone for messing up is a dick move. But like if I knew someone whose friend just like got them a a position working for a senator making key legislation and they messed up, I would be pretty pissed at them. Like you definitely, I think, side with Regina King in this movie she like goes to her first hearing and the other side has like all this research for why animal testing is good. And she's like, Oh, I should have brought in experts. And you're just like, yeah, you should have, this is not a likable underdog. It's truly bad. There's also a part where it shows a like row of her sorority sisters. And the last one uh, is transgender. And like, that's the whole joke. It's really uncomfortable and weird. Not worth it. Uh, Next up is Vanity Fair, uh, which is a period period piece that I feel like the vibe you're supposed to get from it is like she's a social climber who knows how to manipulate people and create opportunities for herself. But instead, it really is just like she's just like stumbling through life and just like keeps getting more successful through random chance, which is not interesting. It's deeply boring. Not worth it. Yeah, I co-sign. Crazy boring. Uh not worth it. What else is there to say? <laughs> um, next up is Walk the Line, which I had never seen before, although I had seen Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. <laughs> and so while I was watching Walk the Line, I I kept being like, oh, this reminds me so much of Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Um, but it's considerably less enjoyable than that, but about equally ridiculous. Um, this, uh, this movie straight up sucks. It clearly sucks I can't believe it was Oscar bait it's bad and like I don't I don't actually know that much about the life of Johnny Cash I'm a big Johnny Cash fan but I don't really know like what went on in his life but I get a real strong vibe from this movie that somebody was just like I want to write a biopic about some famous musician and I know like kind of what the beats of a biopic are gonna be so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fill in "Mm, Johnny Cash we'll say it's him uh it really feels non-specific uh and uh and it truly makes you hate Johnny Cash he's an un repentant asshole at every fucking turn of this movie 
But it, in a way where it feels like you're supposed to be like, oh, he's a troubled soul, troubled artist. You're not supposed to be like, oh, Johnny Cash was an absolute piece of shit. You're supposed to be like, oh, what a conflicted man. Um, it's really disgusting. He's terrible to the all the women in his life. His first wife gets treated like shit by him and also by the movie. And uh, and likewise, his second, his second wife, June Carter, just treated like garbage. She doesn't seem to want to marry him. And yet she just he just keeps at her until she does. And it's supposed to feel romantic, I guess. Um, yeah, this movie sucks. The... Uh, it's like it feels like the good part should be the music but then it's like I'm listening to fucking Joaquin Phoenix try to do a Johnny Cash voice like I should if I want to hear this music I'll just listen to Johnny Cash uh and it's just a it's just a drain on the spirit and the soul the movie is distinctly not worth it yeah I remembered watching this as a kid and like thinking it was boring so I was like oh it'll be good to rewatch now and appreciate it and then I was like Oh, what I didn't pick up on as a kid was that this fucking sucks. It's like a terrible movie. Uh, it really does not capture that it's difficult to become a musician at all. Like there's one scene of him going up, literally just like going up to a guy who has a studio and being like, let me record a CD here. And the guy's like, mm, no. And then he's like, come on. And then the guy's like, okay. And that's the most he ever struggles through the whole movie. Like he just keeps getting more and more successful without doing anything. And, um, most of it is about his romance with June Carter, played by Reese Witherspoon, and her performance is definitely the best part. And I think that's mostly because during all the parts that are supposed to be uh, him like winning her over, Reese Witherspoon is like, mm, I don't know, which is a good call because that's how you should react to this. And uh, like early on, um, when he was like hitting on her when she was clearly annoyed and like being inappropriate I was like oh that's gonna cast a, a bad feeling over their later uh happy scenes but then there just weren't any the entire thing is just him beating her into submission until he eventually proposes she does not want to say yes feels pressured into saying yes and then it just cuts to them being happy for like the last literally like 30 seconds it's a terrible romance and a terrible movie back in history class did you ever take a step back from that textbook you were reading and just think to yourself man these people are very dumb hi my name is eric mcadams and i have a podcast for you it's called Big Time Whoopsies, and every other Wednesday on the Major Cast Network, I tell a guest, and you the listener, a story from history involving massive incompetence. Big Time Whoopsies. People are dumb, and history can prove it. Next up is Just Like Heaven, uh, the movie where Reese Witherspoon is a ghost who falls in love with Mark Ruffalo, and I think I feel like this has the rom-com trope that I think thankfully does not really exist anymore where there's a beautiful woman in like her early 30s and just everyone around her is like why don't you have a boyfriend what is wrong with you and it's like chill out like Reese Witherspoon can get a boyfriend whenever she wants it's none of your business uh and it also has that rom-com thing that I think also has died out where just like everything in the world is slightly off and not even for the ghost reasons like I'm willing to accept a ghost walking around but like there's weird stuff like uh Mark Ruffalo is apartment shopping and every 
apartment is already furnished and he's like making his apartment choices based solely on what furniture is in them as though he can't get rid of that furniture and buy new furniture, which I know like sounds nitpicky, but like the whole movie is like that. Just like all of the logic, you're like, I don't think an adult wrote this because that's not quite how the world works. Uh, it's just uh, it's really baffling and uh, definitely not worth it. And also like the whole thing is really like Reese with even though Reese Witherspoon is supposedly the main character, she truly just exists to fix Mark Ruffalo's life. Uh, and she should be happy to because she was fucking single at 32, which is deeply sad. So instead, she gets to fix Mark Ruffalo's whole life for him. And that's a happy ending. Yeah, this movie truly sucked. And one of the like few moments I got excited about was this uh, minor female character who's Mark Ruffalo's neighbor who, who just like aggressively is like come into my apartment and fuck me <laughs> and Lenny and I were both like this lady is the shit uh, but then like the movie is very quickly like oh what a gross what a gross creep this horrible monster is for having sexual needs and, and, and she just becomes like a very weird character and just, the movie couldn't even let us have that one small nice thing of a lady just just go into town on Mark Ruffalo. Um, yeah, a super weird, super illogical movie uh, and not worth it. Next up is Penelope, which every time I go to watch Penelope, which I think, I think has happened three times now for varying reasons, I think this seems like the kind of, of whimsical jaunt that I'd enjoy. And then... Every time I watch it, I'm like, mm, this feels slightly off. And then shortly after, I'm like, I've forgotten everything about what happens in Penelope. Um, it's uh, It stars Christina Ricci. She's a girl born with a little pig nose uh, because of a family curse. Um, and this whole movie just really has the feeling of like a, a Tim Burton movie that didn't quite make it. Like a like a made for TV movie inspired by the works of Tim Burton. Uh, it's just it's trying to do a very specific aesthetic and a like whimsical magical feeling, and it's just not quite landing at any point. Um, Reese Witherspoon, uh, I think is one of the coolest things in this movie. Cause she's like this tough biker chick who befriends Penelope and they have some real gay chemistry between them. And they really, I really wanted it to turn into a sweet lesbian pig nose romance, but of course it did not. Um, but they true, there's truly some great tension between Christina Ricci and Reese Witherspoon. Um, and it's, yeah, it's the most most fun you have in the movie, but uh, it's not enough of the movie to make it worth it. So I'm giving Penelope a not worth it. This movie feels like it should be charming, but it's just like a true slog. And it's it's like so depressing. And like it makes sense that it would be depressing like early on, but it like things never get better even when the movie feels is like the movie wants you to feel like they have like there's a conversation towards the end where like straight up like there's empirical proof that her mother never loved her and they're talking about it and her mom's like I probably should have loved you and Penelope just like has this really like wishy-washy like oh well this was our journey and things worked out for the best line and it's just like 
sad and just like, uh, it's like, why do this story if you're not going to dig into any of the emotions of it? And yeah, uh, Penelope and Reese Witherspoon's little riding around on a motorcycle tryst is definitely the best part. But then, uh, of course, they got to fucking ruin it and have her end up with James McAvoy. Next up is a movie called Rendition, uh, which is sort of from the genre like Crash and Babel, uh, where it's just like they show a bunch of stories and basically the takeaway is like, it's complicated. And there's just like no more uh, concrete message than that. They're just like, did you know society's complicated? And like uh, Reese Witherspoon's husband is an Egyptian man who's unfairly detained and tortured. Uh, so you would think it would be like a worthwhile story to like show that that happens. But the ways that they try to indicate that this is wrong are very racist and uncomfortable. They're like, this shouldn't be happening to him. He went to school in America and he has a pretty blonde wife who's pregnant. And you're like, okay, you're not really taking that bold of a stance. You're just like, how dare they inconvenience a white American lady? Uh, it's really... Bland and does not do any of the stuff it set out to do, and I definitely give it a not worth it. Yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't, Babel and Crash wouldn't have been the first things that I compared this to because those are both like a bunch of like only loosely connected stories, and this one is, I feel like everything is pretty pretty much centered on the one story of the guy who's being unfairly detained, but it is, um, it is similar to Babel and Crash in that it's like, this is too important to be an entertaining movie. Um, and, you know, if, if you're going to make a movie about something serious, it should still be fun to watch. It should still be enjoyable on some level. Because, uh, it, you know what? It's not journalism. You're still making a movie. If you want to use entertainment to make people care about uh, serious stuff, make it entertaining. Um, that was my, my biggest complaint about this going in. Len Lenny brought up a really good point about how the ways, the ways in which it wants you to care about racism are all the wrong ways. Um, yeah, I hadn't even thought of that, but that is also a great point. So now I feel totally guilt free in giving this movie a big ol' not worth it. Uh, next up is Four Christmases, which is a comedy about uh, uh, Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn are married. Both of their both of their sets of parents are divorced, so they have four different in law households. And I guess I, like every year they go away for Christmas so they don't have to see their families. But this Christmas they accidentally ended up uh, on the news when they were going out of town because their flight was canceled. Uh, so now everybody knows that they're not going out of town. And now they have to go to all four houses on Christmas Day. And it's just really weird how like the ways in which this movie thinks they have agency <laughs> and doesn't. Um, 
like it just really the movie really wants to put them in a bind where they have to hit these four houses in one day and it doesn't do the necessary work to explain that and so that's just frustrating like they clearly don't want to go to any of these houses uh and then if they agreed to go to one then they should be like oh sorry we already agreed to go to this house we can't hit the other three that's just you know uh, that's just the basic setup of the movie and already i'm so frustrated um it's just not it's not a funny film uh i don't like vince vaughn <laughs> in general uh overall it it's not worth it yeah i'm a big hater of christmas but i feel like they this movie just like doesn't capture that like the reason christmas is so suffocating is because you're stuck in a town where you only know your family for days at a time and you slowly go crazy shining style but these people just like drive from one house to the other and it like it's so weird that they haven't seen their family in years it's like you wouldn't be so stressed if you just had lunch with your mom every once in a while you live in the same town like it's such a bizarre situation that like doesn't understand what's so stressful about christmas um and also they're like really, really rich and really insufferable. Like it introduces them by showing them like going to different like service workers being like, excuse me, isn't there anything you can do about our flight? And just being like blatantly obnoxious. And I feel like the way Vince Vaughn is acting, he like that feels like that should be the guy the girl is with at the beginning of the movie who Vince Vaughn steals her from. Like he's such an obviously unlikable guy and like I was telling Katie that I have this like theory that it started off as sort of like a Duplassy Noah Bombaki movie where like there's like the point is that they're such insufferable yuppies but then somehow the studio turned it into like a zany comedy so you have like these two weird uh two honestly equally bad things that when put together are perplexing and bad uh and yeah it's just it's truly unpleasant and they at the end they had a baby and didn't tell anyone in their family so they've learned nothing they've just gotten crazier and crazier uh next up is a movie called monsters versus aliens uh where uh Reese Witherspoon plays this woman who I don't even remember why, but she uh, she becomes gigantic. And uh, so she gets sent off to this black lab site for freaks. Very disturbing stuff. Uh, And she befriends a group of other monsters. uh, But they they end up being useful to the government when aliens come down and the monsters fight them. And uh, it's it's really about uh, Reese Witherspoon learning from this experience of being a giant freak that uh her husband Paul Rudd straight up sucks he will not stick by her through the hard times of her being 20 feet tall uh and instead what matters is her friendship with other freaks and I thought that was like done pretty well and pretty sweet and I think this would probably be a pretty good movie if you have like uh like daughters because I thought that was pretty pretty positive I enjoyed watching her dump Paul Rudd at the end a lot but uh other than that uh I found it mostly like pretty bland and not as funny as other kids movies so I'm gonna give it a not worth it yeah there's so many kids movies that are like so good and put so much 
effort into like also being enjoyable for adults that when you see one that's just kind of like eh, you know turn <laughs> turn this on and the kids the kids will like it um it is grown-ups it's not for you it's it's always a little jarring to me I'm like eh, why isn't this why isn't this a beautiful work of art um <laughs> so am I holding kids movies to too high a standard maybe but I I think this movie is <laughs> pretty sucky um I I mean it's not terrible it's like just fine it's totally like middle of the road kids movie whatever um so you know give it a soft not worth it um but it's fine uh next up is how do you know which is a uh another romantic comedy um reese witherspoon is a professional um softball player who gets uh cut from her team for being too old even though she's the heart and soul of that team um and in her it, 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 while she's just uh, down down in the dumps and picking herself up she meets Paul Rudd who has just been dumped by his his cold controlling girlfriend and is looking for a new cold controlling girlfriend. Um, I like, I, I wasn't like super crazy about this movie, but like Paul Rudd, I say this with all the respect and love in my heart is such a little bitch in this movie. He really wants a woman to (laughs) control him and tell him what to do with his life. Uh, and like, it's like, that's, that's fine. That's fine. That's beautiful. That's what he wants in, in a woman. And, and I, I think it's cool that this movie has, like, uh, some, like, dominant female characters who, like, aren't... It, it doesn't have to be, like, oh, she's shitty because she's trying to boss him around. It's, like, that's that's just what he wants. Anyway, that's, that's like, the one thing I liked about this movie a lot. Uh, and I guess the other thing I liked about this movie a lot is that Reese Witherspoon seems like a straight-up lesbian. She's doing some hard lesbian acting. She drops her voice, like, a full octave. Um, I think maybe she's just trying to convey that she's from the Bronx, but that's how it comes off. She seems very gay, and that is super great but overall i think this movie is pretty disposable um uh and i'm gonna give it a not worth it um yeah this is a james l books movie and i thought it was very similar to broadcast news uh in the ways like both in what was good and what was bad about it the bad part is that the story is truly all over the place uh there was a lot of plots that i could have thought could have been fully cut out um in favor of being a more streamlined romance um but uh like uh like holly hunter in broadcast news i thought that reese witherspoon was a very fully realized and interesting character that uh is not necessarily like any other uh movie character which I thought was great and yeah like her performance is really good and distinctive and they really uh even though the makeup and wardrobe uh departments I thought really copped out Reese Witherspoon's performance was fully committed to being like softball player got it I enjoyed that uh and uh yeah I really liked her character and it had uh it has one of my favorite scenes from a movie where uh Reese Witherspoon uh goes to a psychiatrist's office. Uh, I found that scene really, really strong. So um, overall, it's it's definitely a messy movie, but uh, I would recommend it 
for having some, uh, I thought, uh, interesting standout moments. I totally forgot about the psychiatrist office scene. That is so great. The psychiatrist is Tony Shalhoub looking like very foxy and being just very charming and soothing. And I, re uh, when she left that psychiatrist office, I was like, I cannot wait for her to go back. But there, there was sadly little. But yeah, that, that's a great, even though it's a short scene, that's a great highlight of the movie. Good call, Lenny. Um, next up is a movie called Water for Elephants. Uh, it's a super depressing movie and like I, f I know it it like is depressing on purpose but I also feel like it's just so deeply unenjoyable in a way that makes me feel like it failed at what it's doing and I also feel like it uh the movie disapproves of animal abuse more than it disapproves of Reese Witherspoon abuse and I'm not into that at all uh, so not worth it. Yeah, when I we saw this movie back when it came out in theaters in I think 2011, um, and the trailers really made it look like it was gonna be like she's she's trapped in a toxic marriage with Christoph Waltz, um, and she and she starts having an affair with uh, with Robert Pattinson in a sexy way, um, but then it was uh, an unhealthy marriage and an affair in a boring and sad way um yeah it, it was really ugh, just uh, de yeah depressing and a total slog and you gotta you, you you see you gotta see a lot of animals get hurt and you also gotta see Reese Witherspoon get hurt so not worth it um next up is this means war which is a, another romantic comedy um, about two spies, I guess. They're spies um, played by Chris, which Chris is it? Chris, Chris Pine and Tom Hardy. Um, and they both fall in love with Reese Witherspoon and are trying to out-romance each other um they're both trying to win her affections and they keep like just like breaking into her house and stuff as part of that uh it's weird it's weird and troubling and it's not and it's not funny even if it didn't have these troubling things going on it's just not solidly written all the characters are very hateable um yeah it's it's just it's just so shitty uh definitely not worth it yeah, I feel like similar to Overnight Delivery, like you think you know the way this movie is going to suck and then you watch it and it's just such a worse experience than you could ever imagine. It's so unpleasant to watch. And I remember reading that uh, the either the writer or the director really wanted Chris Pine and Tom Hardy to like end up with each other. And I think that would have made more sense because like, they don't seem like they like being around Reese Witherspoon. They seem like they're straight up stalking her together just like as a hobby and as a reason to spend time together. Um, and so part of me is like, oh, it's such a cop out that they didn't go with that ending. But also like I'm kind of relieved because like on a personal level, if there was a movie where Chris Pine and Tom Hardy end up together and it was fucking this movie, I'd be like, oh, come on. I'm not going to watch This Means War every night as I drift off to sleep. Uh, yeah, not worth it. Wouldn't have even been worth it if they kissed at the end. 
Uh, next up is a movie called Mud, uh, which is like an Oscar baity movie where Matthew McConaughey is this drifter who's been in love with Reese Witherspoon for years and a couple of kids help him with his drifting business. And uh, it's really, truly bad in a way where like, I just kept being like, this was really written by a man. And I know most movies are written by a man, but this one just wears it on its sleeve. Uh, so like early on, this kid meets Mud and he's like, oh, you're in love with a woman who doesn't want to talk to you? I'm in love with a woman who doesn't want to talk to you. Okay, I'm on board with all your crazy murderer stuff. Uh, and like Mud's tragic... His tragic backstory is that Reese Witherspoon got beat up and now she can't have kids. And you're supposed to feel bad for him about that. Uh, it's truly disgusting. And I really hated it. Not worth it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ter terrible in all those ways. And also, like, these kids are hanging out with this drifter down by the river. And then they find out that he's a murderer. And they're like, oh, okay, we got to help. We got to help this murderer hide from the police. Like, they don't bat a fucking eyelash. <laughs> and he's, he's like, oh, no, see, I, I murdered the guy who beat up my, my girlfriend. And they're like, great. I wasn't that concerned about it in the first place. But now that I know it was for love, I'm especially not concerned about it. Really weird. And I, I just really I just really wanted those kids to get on out of there. But they did not. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's dumb and it's bad <laughs> and it's not worth it. Um, next up is Devil's Knot, which is based on, uh, true events that happened in the late eighties, I believe. Um, this, these little boys were murdered and then, um, the, the murder was blamed on a couple of teenagers who were thought to be Satan worshipers. I can't remember if they turned out they actually were Satan worshipers or not, but they didn't do the murders, but they did go to prison for them. Um, that's a depressing story. And this is a depressing movie about it. Um, and I just, you know, for me to watch a whole movie about child murder, you got to really bring something great to the table. And this movie didn't didn't it, it's not it's not a good enough movie to make me want to want to think about those little boys dying for two hours, um, so I'm definitely gonna give it a not worth it. Yeah, the like the actual true story I think is pretty interesting, and like in the couple of scenes that are about the guy who wrongly went to prison, I thought like it was really interesting, but the vast majority of it is about this boring ass lawyer, which I feel like happens with a lot of movies they have like an interesting story and they're like you know who we should follow this bland ass lawyer and i kind of blame to kill a mockingbird for it uh not that to kill a mockingbird is bad but i think a lot of stuff since has been like we'll just copy that model of not having the relevant people and just following any lawyer who is a white man and it's so boring um and also just like other than the fact that Reese Witherspoon is there, everything about this really feels like a TV movie. And I don't know if her career was in a slump before Wild or what, but it's really weird and baffling that she's there. Uh, not worth it. Uh, and speaking of Wild, that's our next movie. Uh, this was, uh, I thought, a very boring movie. I really thought 
that it would be about her being like overprivileged and having no real problems. But then it turned out she's had like a very difficult life, uh, which made it just like confusing to me. I was like, then why are you making your life harder by doing this thing that it seems like only like a rich divorcee would do? And I feel like it did not sufficiently answer that. Uh, And they just... uh, They didn't really, I feel like it did that thing a lot of stuff based on books does where it just like does the most memorable scenes from the book, but like doesn't have a actual strong story. So you're just watching a bunch of stuff that happened. Uh, And also Reese Witherspoon plays herself in flashbacks, even though she's supposed to be, sorry, not not herself. (laughs) Uh, Reese Witherspoon plays the same character in the present day and in flashbacks, even though in the flashbacks, she's supposed to be like 18 and 19. So her mother is um, Laura Linney, not Laura Dern, sorry. Her mother is Laura Dern, but it's still Reese Witherspoon. And we're just supposed to act like that's not super weird. And it's really distracting. Yeah. One thing that really bothered me about this movie that like, I mean, presumably this is also what happened in this woman's real life, um, but the movie didn't make me buy it, is that um, there are all these like letters back and forth between her and her ex-husband and they're um, they're divorced, but they like are still in contact and still really love each other. And you find out that like they got divorced because she cheated on him. It seems like one time. Um but they're so they like so love each other and are so emotional about like we have to split up we have to but it's like she cheated one time like they couldn't work through that like it really seems like they both want to be together but they're both like yeah I understand that absolutely we have to dissolve our marriage because she cheated one single time like just go to couples counseling you fucking dinguses that was just like like the her split from her husband was like such a such a drive a driving force of the movie that like it just really pissed me off that it seemed like they were doing this to themselves for no reason um not for no reason but like they were making themselves suffer a lot more than they had to um yeah this yeah the movie it didn't feel like it had a strong through line it probably has a much stronger through line in the book um uh, and it's uh, kind of a it's kind of a bummer to watch, and it kind of has that thing where it just it just sort of ends without feeling like it came to an ending. And also, there's like a crazy scene where people are like, "Your shoes are worn out. Don't you know that if you write to REI, you can get free shoes?" And it's like you shouldn't have like product placement in an Oscar Beatty drama. It's super weird. That's true. It is weird. Also, there's a scene where she's working as a waitress and these two, she, she's like waiting on these two like s- kind of sleazy but handsome Wall Street guys and then she like fucks them both in an alley behind the diner. And, and look, all I have to say about that is that's supposed to be like her descent, like that's supposed to be like kind of a low point for her, but I was just like, this is crazy hot and I couldn't, I couldn't appreciate it as a low point. Also, I'd like it on the record that the guy from Everclear is in the film. God, I forget the guy from Everclear is in the film. Why? Oh, that's fun. All right. Um, So next up is a movie called The Good Lie, um, which is about, I think they're, are they Sudanese? Yeah, they're Sudanese um, refugees um, coming to live in the United States. And Reese Witherspoon uh, is like the lady who 
picks them up at the airport. And then I think that's supposed to be the end of her involvement with them. But then uh, she was supposed to get them jobs. She wasn't supposed to pick them up at the airport, but she like had to fill it. That's right. She were Yeah. She works at like a job placement agency and she's supposed to get them jobs. That's right. Um, uh, and it's just a story of, of these refugees um, trying to find jobs, trying to fit in, uh, trying to get, get used to living in America. Um, one cool thing about this movie is that the actors who play the Sudanese refugees are actual uh, actual Sudanese refugees. That's cool. Um, but overall, I this movie really feels to me like educational. Like it feels like something that you would watch in school. Um, it feels like, yeah, it, it doesn't feel like a movie that you choose to watch because you think you're going to enjoy it. It feels like a movie that you watch because like you're you're learning about. Sudan in your social studies class um uh, so I'm gonna give it a not worth it because uh, yeah because it's not interesting yeah this was another movie that other than the fact that Reese Witherspoon was there really felt like a tv movie um I didn't think it was bad I was like pretty on the fence about it but like the really the all the good parts of it are just like showing like how shitty the way the u.s treats refugees is which i feel like if you really want that you're probably better off like watching a documentary so i'm gonna give it a not worth it next up is inherent vice which is a paul thomas anderson movie if you like paul thomas anderson movies you've probably already watched and enjoyed this one uh, if you're a normal person who doesn't like Paul Thomas Anderson movies, uh, I think this one is even worse than most. Uh, it's I feel like most of his movies, I'm like, that was a little long, but there were some good scenes. But this one was mostly just long. That's pretty much all. Yeah, I liked a couple Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Overall, I'm not a fan. It, yeah, this one, it's just not that interesting. It was like weird without being interesting um and uh it had one of those like quirky burnout white dude main characters that i'm tired of seeing and uh yeah i mean that's all that's all i gotta say just i didn't need this movie to exist I feel like this is one of those movies where when guys explain it to me, they're like, the thing about noir is the plot doesn't matter. The characters don't matter. But they, like, never really get to what matters. <laughs> yeah, fuck this movie. But uh, Maya Rudolph is a beautiful woman, and she's in one scene. I think it was just one scene. Um, next up is Nine Kisses, which is one of those weird little video series that, is it the New Yorker? New the New York Times does. Um, that feel, they feel like film school assignments. Um, they're just like really, really short, like one scene uh, short films, like under a minute long. Um, uh, this one was nine kisses, so that that's what it is. It's you just see nine different couples kiss. Um, they got a bunch of famous actors 
uh, to do it and you don't really get much of a story. You just barely understand the context and you see the couple's kiss. Um, this one, the one that Reese Witherspoon is in was with Benedict Cumberbatch. Ew. Um, they're at like a Halloween party and, uh, they kiss. I, I don't get, I don't really get why these film series happen. Um, they're weird. They're, they're not that fun to watch. Um, I'm giving it a not worth it, even though it's like 45 seconds of your time still not worth it. I really love Nine Kisses. It's just uh, a series of combinations of different actors kissing in like very well shot little scenes. I wish it was two hours. I want to watch an infinite combination of actors kissing with various dynamics between them in beautiful well shot scenes uh, forever. Uh, It is fucking uh a disgrace that poor Reese Witherspoon had to be paired up with Benedict Cumberbatch it's just her curse that she can have chemistry with anyone uh definitely the highlight is Rosario Dawson and Jenny Slate that should be three hours that was great um the they kind of copped out with the dude on dude one I gotta say but uh overall I give nine kisses a big worth it it's beautiful and it will not take up that much of your time. And you get to see Jenny Slate and Rosario Dawson kiss. I cannot stress that enough. Uh, next up is Hot Pursuit, uh, which is a comedy where Reese Witherspoon is a cop and she's accompanying Sofia Vergara, who's like a, uh, a witness going into witness protection. And there's just a bunch of madcap shenanigans. It feels like it was extremely rushed out after the heat was popular. Uh, and it just, there was, there's no reason for it to exist. It, it bums me out. There's like, there's so few female led comedies that get made that when there's a bad one, I just feel deep, deep sadness. And yeah, this one was, upsetting and like really offensive and it's just just bad on every level yeah like in addition to being like not well written and not funny it like opens on a transphobic joke and it's like very aggressively pro-cop they're just like there's nothing there's nothing here for anyone um uh, not worth it and also like the emotional beats like They just are constantly like, I trusted you. I thought we were friends. And I'm like, I didn't see that happen at all. Like they never actually bond. They just keep fighting really bad. Uh, Next up is The Muppets. This episode is called Walk the Swine. Um, Reese Witherspoon plays herself. And she has an uh, ongoing, pretty one-sided rivalry with Miss Piggy. Um... This I hadn't I hadn't watched the new Muppets series before. This is the first episode I watched, um, and it's pretty fun. It's pretty funny. Um, I kind of think that it's not a strong move for the Muppets to be like this. Uh, this version of the Muppets has a lot of uh, live action humans in it, and I feel like whenever a person is trying to talk to a Muppet, it's like hard. It's hard to buy that. It's hard for the actor to sell that. Um, so like all of the human on Muppet interactions feel like not quite real. Um, so like, eh, I didn't, I, I, I didn't love it. This is of the Muppet, of the Muppet properties I've seen. I would say this is one of the weaker ones. This is still reasonably enjoyable. Not, not super, super funny, but like not 
bad. Um, yeah, I'll, g- I, I'll give it a soft worth it. Um, yeah, I really like this show. Uh, I feel like it got uh, really hated. I think most mostly because Kermit broke up with Miss Piggy and got a new girlfriend. And I was always like, they are first off fictional and second, clearly going to get back together at some point in the series. Uh, uh, but like, I liked it. I thought it was funny and I really liked all, all the characters. Uh, and yeah, this, this episode's really fun. I think, uh, Reese Witherspoon, I think, uh, unlike some other big actors is like really good at, adjusting to different situations so she does like really good like sitcom acting and like sort of the office-ish reaction shots and stuff that I feel like a lot of like big A-list guest stars do not get that stuff right uh I enjoyed this episode uh next up is a movie called Sing um which I really like uh it definitely has uh story problems I think a lot of it could have been streamlined but I really like all of the characters and there's a lot of characters, but I care about almost all of them. Not that elephant. Do not care for her. She really is like, why can't I be successful despite the one minor thing of never performing? And it's like, okay, panic at the disco. Let's not do this. Um, But all the other characters I really, really like. And um, they, they have like really good relationships. Like, uh, it really balances this ensemble. And like, I really believe like all the relationships, like um, Reese Witherspoon has like little moments with this uh, porcupine played by Scarlett Johansson. And you like really buy all of these different dynamics and friendships. Uh, Reese Witherspoon's friendship with super gay pig, Nick Kroll is really great. Uh, When um, she like first gets the, it's about this like singing competition and, uh, Reese Witherspoon is a pig who's one of the contestants and when she first gets paired up with Nick Kroll like I really thought he would be like mad and be like you're not gonna steal the spotlight from me but he's just like super on board with Reese Witherspoon and like just wants her to gain self-confidence and um, it's like very sweet and uh, not what and like I just liked that he was like not a bitch because most uh, gay coded characters are bitchy but he's just a great dude and similarly on that note there's a whole storyline about this kid whose dad is like I don't approve of you because you're too theatrical and he overcomes that by singing Sam Smith and Elton John uh so it's a very uh just inspiring very gay movie (laughs) that I enjoyed a lot worth it yeah, I felt like um, I feel like people really hated this movie. Like, I feel like I remember a lot of people talking about being disappointed by Sing. Um, but when I finally watched it, it was fun. Um, I totally agree that the characters are really enjoyable and um, and really distinctive. And a good handful of them are very gay coded, which is awesome. Uh, um, I would say the characters are great. The plot is like not that interesting um uh, and um the music like I kind of wanted there to be more music and for it to be more fun like it's always great when the music happens but I wanted it to be more of a I just wanted more I just wanted more music um it opens up with a really really cool sounding cover of um golden slumbers that's like 
it's like a theatrical aria almost. Um, and that was, I felt like the, like the coolest rendition of a pop song in this movie. And then after that, the rest of them were like not as interesting or not as fun. But if I was a little kid, I wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't really want them to be like interesting renditions. I would just want to be like, I recognize firework. Um, but yeah, this definitely does not deserve the hate it it got. It's a, it's a good movie and it's fun and the characters are pretty delightful. Um, so yeah, I'll also give it a worth it. Speaking of not deserving the hate, as a side note, uh, Seth MacFarlane plays a like sketchy little mouse in this, and I feel like that character like very clearly like on some level like deserves to win the most because he's the best singer. And like has done all this vocal training to be the best singer, but like it's clearly out of the question that he'll win because you're just like, I just don't like this guy. And I just think that's perfect Seth MacFarlane casting because he is a great singer and no one cares. Oh, so true. Um, okay, next up is Home Again, the last for now in a series of Reese Witherspoon uh, rom coms that are just the worst. Um, this is a fun idea, um, Reese Witherspoon, because of, you know, m mischief and plot stuff, ends up with these three much younger guys uh, living in her house. She's a she's a divorcee, or she's separated from her husband. Um, she has these three hot young guys living in her house, and she's sleeping with one of them, uh, and she's, uh, like, sort of mom, mom type figure to them kind of weird and hot and a fun idea but they really fumbled the execution they I think they really like you know wanted wanted tired beleaguered moms to watch this and be like oh I wish I had three hot young fuck sons in my house um and I, I just wish that they had done a better job of making this the the hot young guy fantasy that the moms of America so richly deserve. Um, but it's honestly, it doesn't end up being that sexy a movie. It's not really funny. It's definitely not really romantic. Um, the character, the, the guy that she's sleeping with is a, a real dick. Uh, most not to her as much as to his friend and his brother. Um, but he's a dick in a way that I feel like the movie doesn't entirely understand. Um, and then the thing that I hate the most about this movie is that it has a really strong anti-medication agenda. Like, at the beginning, Reese Witherspoon's preteen daughter is like listing off all the symptoms of depression and saying, I have all of these. Please get me antidepressants. And Reese Witherspoon is like, no, you're lying. You don't have depression. And that's it's supposed to be like a fun joke about the kid being um, uh, about the kid, like always thinking she's sick. Uh, but it's like, if she feels like she feels that way, she probably feels that way. She probably is depressed. Like, maybe take her to a doctor. Uh, and then there's, like, a point later in the movie where Reese Witherspoon is, like, she takes a, a pill. And one of the guys is like, oh, what's that? And she's like, oh, it's just for anxiety. I just take a, I just take a half of a half. And the, and the guy's like, that was a big half. And it's like, dude, that's her medication. Like, it's her pills. Like, why are you being so shitty to her for taking medication that was clearly prescribed to her? Uh, anyway, that's like not that big a thing in this movie, but it really rubbed me the wrong way. It was hard for me to think about uh, anything else. Um, but yeah, uh, all in all, 
this is a was a fun trailer, but not really a fun movie. Not worth it. Yeah, I, I didn't hate this movie. I thought it had some charm, but hindsight being 2020, that's probably mostly because of the top tier concept of Reese Witherspoon living with uh, three young men who are like, oh, let me help with the dishes. Let me help babysit your kids. And also you can fuck one of us, which should be the plot of every movie. I am willing to keep making these movies until someone gets it right. Uh but yeah, this one uh, is pretty uh, pretty bland. Uh, it has that weird anti-medication agenda. And also there's a subplot about the three boys like trying to get their movie off the ground that makes them so unlikable. Like the, the like message of the movie is like, these guys who've never had a film made before need to stand up for themselves and not let executives push them around. And it's like, dude, just fucking take notes on your movies. What the fuck? Uh, and I think that is largely due to the fact that this movie was made by Nancy Myers's daughter and she does not know at all what it's like to struggle to get a movie made. Uh, so yeah, for those reasons, I give it a not worth it. But they should keep making movies where Reese Witherspoon is fucking three... 20-something guys forever. Uh, our final movie, you guys, is A Wrinkle in Time, uh, which is a pretty messy, uneven movie. For, like, the first half hour, I was like, oh, no, this is bad. And then it hit a real turning point for me once they really locked in the obstacle and made the main character more active uh, where I got pretty into it mostly because it did this like really cool thing where uh, they explain that what they're fighting is the ultimate evil and as they're explaining what that evil does it shows all these examples of uh, characters in the film like having low self-esteem being yelled at at their parents um, stuff like that and I thought it was like very cool to be like the you know the stuff that so often gets dismissed like kids self-esteems and their feelings is like uh like what hurts them is actually the ultimate evil in the universe I thought that was very cool I thought it was like the exact opposite of the Wizard of Oz which is a whole movie where she goes on this journey just so they can be like your problems aren't that bad shut up like this movie is really really just like cares about children so much and really validates like no like when you feel bad about your body or when you feel bad about your parents yelling at you like that matters so much I thought that was really cool uh and uh really got me through a lot of the movie uh and yeah it definitely has long parts that drag it has some interesting parts so it's like a little all over the map but I'm I'm mostly gonna give it a worth it because it, it gets very just like specific about the ways that it cares about kids' self-esteem. And I thought it was like very strong and it does the stuff that is most important in a kid's movie very well. Uh, that's a good point. But from my perspective as an adult, this movie is just really boring. Um, I just really like couldn't, I just couldn't get myself to care about it. I was just so, so bored the whole time I was watching this movie. Um, and when there was an emotional beat, I just felt completely cold. And when I, somebody was supposed to be in peril, I was like, I don't care. They're going to be fine. I just like, ne I could, ne I never got caught up in it. I never got uh, invested. Um, and so it's not a terrible movie. It's just a movie that left me very, very cold. 
Um, one thing I did like was the the little boy actor. He, I, I don't know his name, but he's like I don't know an eight year old kid or something. He was he was a really good actor. Um, he had to play a cute precocious kid and then a, a scary evil monster, and he handled that transition really well. And he was actually better as scary terrible monster than as cute precocious kid. He was like genuinely chilling. Um, yeah, so I was really impressed with that kid's performance. Um, but yeah, overall, I just, uh, you know, this movie's not, I'm not the target audience and that's fine. Um, but for me, it's uh, not worth it. Katie, I don't think you understand. The main character in this movie is emotionally closed down and doesn't have straight hair. There's nothing more important than that. It's objectively the most interesting thing a movie can do. Uh, on the note of the little boy, I there was that during that turning point, I was like, "Oh wow, this boy is so autistic," and they're not being subtle about it. That's pretty cool. But then, like, that was his shift into evil. <laughs> I, that's all I have to say about that. I'm sure it wasn't intentional. That's so funny. I did not. I did not read him as being autistic. I was. I felt like I could tell the whole time that he was just becoming evil. It's like right before. There's like this thing where like first he can sense that this food has a weird texture to it when like everyone else is like, "What? No, that doesn't bother me." And then like right after that, this guy starts being starts doing like going through the multiplication tables, and the kid also has them memorized. And the guy's like, "Yeah, you're like me. You want to repeat all these numbers." And I was like, "Oh well, like, he's really autistic, but nope, descending into evil." But, but I, I'm not holding that against the movie. It was just a weird thing that happened. Well, do you want to wrap this up by doing a fuck Mary kill with all of Reese Witherspoon's characters? Uh, you know that I do. All right, I'm gonna fuck Tracy Flick. She's an adult at the end. Calm down. Uh, I'm go no, sorry. I'm gonna marry Tracy Flick. I'm gonna fuck uh, the even though Overnight Delivery was an insufferable movie, that chick seemed like she knew what to do. Uh, and uh, who, who should she, who's someone to kill? Uh, we saw these been characters are overall not. Bad people. I might have to think about it. Ooh, maybe uh, the uh, hot pursuit girl because she's a cop. I love it. Um, I'm gonna uh, fuck Elle Woods. I'm gonna marry the bike lesbian from Penelope. And I'm going to kill the swan from Trumpet of the Swan so I don't have to take a human life. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode. And also for me, co-hosting this podcast. Uh, it's been great, guys. It's goodbye. I'll miss you dearly, but you're also dead to me. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Major Cast Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.